When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. This episode is brought to you by Google. Google's two-step verification was built to secure your account and help prevent cyber attacks, even if your password is compromised. That's why Google has made it easy to sign into your account with this additional layer of protection. Just one tap and you're in. Learn more at safety.google. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, for Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGoria. For today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about... The Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 2. This is going to be a non-spoiler review. Then I'm dropping into Black Adam. Black Adam finally got a movie release date for that movie. And also, too, I'm going to go into a little speculation on what I would like to actually see from a Black Adam movie. Then I'm going to drop in with Season 2, Episode 6 and 7 of Castle Rock. And if you haven't seen Castle Rock, I recommend that show. If you're a huge Stephen King fan, I strongly recommend that show. You don't have to worry about going in and seeing it from season one because it's an anthology show. So therefore, if you want to go ahead and watch season two where you have Annie from Misery, then they combine it in with Pet Cemetery and Salem's Lot, I think you're going to like that show a lot. And then Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, and some of the other actors and actresses took to tw- uh, Twitter today to tell WB to release the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And I'm going to talk about that at the very end of the show. And then, right now, I also want to add in this. I'm back, baby, just like John Wick. People are asking me if I'm back. Yeah, I'm back. And what I mean by that is my pay, my Facebook page that got taken away from me on Wednesday and on Wednesday at midnight, and then I woke up the next day not to find it that it was missing, and now it came back on Friday. So I'm glad that Facebook was able to give me back my page. I'm thankful for the admins that fought for my page. I'm thankful for the fans that were being patient with uh, the way Facebook was actually being and stuff like that. Not only that, but another thing, too, I want to mention is the fact that that admin has now been released and he's no longer working for my page anymore or anything like that. So with that being said, let's go on ahead and get into this Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 2, non-spoiler review. And what I want to say about this is I love the Mandalorian show. I love what they did with the first episode. And, of course, I did a non-spoiler review for that. But at the very end of that episode, when I said there's a another character that actually shows up, I was talking about Baby Yoda. And I'm calling him Baby Yoda. I don't care what anybody says. That's Baby Yoda. And, um, and another thing that I want to mention is the fact that, you know, yes, we got to see the Mandalorian battle through this all these people just to get to Baby Yoda so we can collect the bounty, so we can go back over up to space and then go into another planet too so we can collect his bounty. But there's also been a little bit of a problem. The Jawjaws took apart his aircraft and now he's stuck on this planet with baby Yoda and he can't collect his uh, collect his um, bounty because of the Jawjaws. And I love that aspect of the fact that it feels a little bit more like a video game now where you actually have your main quest. Your main quest is now done. And now... Because that main quest is now done, now you have a side mission that you have to do, which the Mandalorian side mission is to climb on top of the Jaja Sand Tower 
just like in the Star Wars Super NES video game. And guess what? It never worked out for me when I was trying to climb on top of that sand tower with Luke. Because every single time I would, the I would always fall off the sand tower. The same thing with the Mandalorian. He winds up getting a, a little bit of shock therapy from the Jaw Jaws. Falls off and then he winds up uh, go, landing on the, uh, on the sand. But anyways... This is another thing that ends up happening. They finally stop the sand tower and he manages to make a deal with the Jaw Jaws. It's like everything that he was throwing at them to trade with, they didn't want. Then they wanted Yoda. Then then he's like, no, you're not taking Yoda from me because that's my bounty. So they said, okay, well, you know what? There's this egg that we want. And the only way to get to this egg is if you defeat this huge monster being. So so he's fighting his way just to get his parts back so he can uh, fix up his aircraft carrier and this monster is in his way of actually him trying to collect these parts. And the way that it's actually done is it's like a 10 to 15 minute battle where he's getting his butt handled by this huge freaking monster. And it seems like this battle is just not going to end well for the Mandalorian. And then you see baby Yoda sticking out his hand and he's using the force. And it seems like to me that everyone forgets that the force is even real or anything like that. It seems like people forget that there's actually a force. And whenever Yoda uses his power to try and save the Mandalorian, he uses all of his power to the point where... He's worn out and he winds up going to sleep pretty much because of the fact that he's so worn out from from his powers being absorbed because of the fact that he's helping out the Mandalorian. And so now he's passed out and then the Mandalorian, of course, kills, kills that beast. He winds up getting his parts back and now, of course, he has to go in and fix his ship up. So he fixes his ship up, him and baby Yoda goes off into space, and that's how we wind up ending it. But, you know what I was actually thinking about? Was, what if this was like the Sith Empire in Old Republic era, and Jedi are going to pick him up at the end of the show? We see ex-stormtroopers, which is part of Palpatine's, um, a little bit of Palpatine's little, um, Easter egg there. Because that's actually something that Palpatine would actually do, which would put... Just like on uh, Game of Thrones where you had Jeffrey, what he did was he put Ned Stark's head on the spike. And that's the same type of deal that Palpatine does is he winds up putting the Stormtroopers' heads on on the spikes to show the fact that he's not someone that you should be messing with. And I love that little aspect to it. So maybe I'm thinking that Palpatine might actually have something a little bit thrown into this show a little bit. But... I'm still lo- I'm loving what they're do- throwing at us. And then another thing is, so, like I said, maybe Yoda got freaky with Yodel with their being on the council. And, like, then there's, like, a lot of uh, wild mind sexting back and forth. And that's why he went into exile because of the fact that he's depressed. So he goes into exile because of the fact that it's just not working out with him and Yod- Yodel. That's just that's just me joking around and everything. I don't know. I'm just goofing off a little bit, just trying to have myself a little bit of a good time. But what happens if it's like that? What if you know he's sexting her the whole a lot and everything? She winds up getting knocked up 
by Yoda, even though they can't really have sex. But still, it's still a funny concept to actually have the fact that Yoda is in exile because maybe he's depressed because of Yodel. But still, I love the show. I love what they're doing with The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is beautifully well-crafted. It has that Star Wars flavor that we've all been wanting from a Star Wars show. And then Jon Favreau writing and directing the show is just fantastic. I like Jon Favreau as, a, as an actor, even as a director and writer. This guy can do no wrong. And also, too, if you haven't checked out this other thing called Chef, which is a wonderful, underrated little film that's actually independent, I would actually check out that film if you haven't seen it because it's really good. But as for The Mandalorian itself, I'm ready for episode three. I'm ready to see what happens with Baby Yoda and The Mandalorian. And I'm I'm excited to see this. I just wish it was thirty minutes uh, past thirty minutes long. I wish it was about a, a sixty uh, an hour long show would be actually perfect for me. But still, it is what it is. Thirty minutes is thirty minutes, and I'm gonna still sit back and watch the Mandalorian for what it is. So now I'm gonna be talking about Black Adam. Black Adam finally got its release date, and it's gonna be on twelve twenty two two thousand twenty one. And I think that's actually a perfect release date, considering the fact now they're wrapping up the Star Wars franchise with the last, um, with the rise of Skywalker for this year. So I think that's actually pretty good that they're that they're wanting to do a comic book based movie in December, which would be Black Adam. I think that's actually a perfect good choice because I don't think anything is actually going to be coming out during that time to actually compete against Black Adam. And then too. I'm hoping that they don't go into it where they give him... I hope they go into it where they give him layers to the character to where he is a hero, where where he's from. Because the most dangerous thing is, is a character that thinks that he's doing the right thing, but really he's doing the wrong thing. And that's what made Zod so much threatening in Man of Steel is the fact that you have this strong being who has this matchup with Superman with the same strength, same weaknesses, same everything. And in his own mind... He's doing what he feels like is right, even though it's totally wrong. And that's what makes a supervillain a supervillain and makes him so much dangerous is the way that they're thinking. And I feel like that if they gave Black Adam those same layers that they gave Zod, I think that we would actually get a pretty good Black Adam movie. And I'm also wondering, too, if we're actually going to see Shazam in this Black Adam movie at all. Because I would like to actually see the matchup between... Shazam and Black Adam, unless this is just going to be a straight up Black Adam movie and then introduce Shazam later on. But I feel like these kids are getting older. So I feel like that they need to hurry up and capitalize on the fact that, you know, you made a lot of money with Shazam. So you need to capitalize on the fact that you made tons of money with Shazam and with these kids. And I think that if they wait too long, they're going to miss the boat on that. To the point where they have to recast these kids all over again. And I love the kid that plays Billy. I love the characters in this whole entire universe with Shazam. But if they're not going to go in with the Shazam thing and they're making it its own, I'm okay with that too. I just wish they would capitalize on the fact that, you know, they need to introduce Shazam in some way or fashion in this Black Adam movie. And I also like the fact too, you know... You can also have it to where people don't like him on on our Earth because of the fact that with Black Adam, people don't like him on our Earth because of the way he is, and even though people see him as a hero on his planet, doesn't necessarily mean that we're gonna see that we're gonna see eye to eye on our planet because of how 
bad he is because of the fact of the things that he does. And I love the I love that aspect of where you have this one character where he sees that there's a chance to actually do some good for his planet. So maybe he's trying to move people into our Earth thinking that this is actually a smart move to him. But by doing that, he's also creating destruction among Earth and stuff like that, too. And he's also a destructive person. So I think that would actually add in a little bit more layers to Black Adam himself. Because he's actually in his own mind thinking that this is actually going to be something that he can actually live on this Earth and actually take over Earth. But we're just going to wait and see about how that's actually going to play out. But I'm excited for The Rock. I'm excited for Black Adam. I'm excited that we actually have a release date now. Even that poster of The Rock on that poster is just fantastically well done. I love that poster. And a matter of fact, I might actually try and buy that poster and get it framed. But I'm I'm excited what what DC is doing, despite some of the fallbacks that they had at their earlier time and everything. I think they're actually back on target again. Not to mention now we actually have the Joker that made over a billion dollars now, which is um, is awesome. I can't believe that we actually have a DC movie past the Dark Knight, and it's actually a solo film with the Joker. And I love the Joker. I love the Joker so much that I saw it twice. I think it's a perfectly well done movie. It's a slow pacing movie, slow burn movie. It's not one of those movies that you're thinking that it's going to be a fun action type comic book movie. It's a slow burn. And then once that tension is actually released at the end of that movie, it's just perfectly well done, perfectly well executed. Joaquin Phoenix plays a really great Joker that can actually get under your skin and give you goosebumps. And I'm hoping that the Academy gives him his dues because that dude did a really good job with the Joker. But like I said, with Black Adam though, I'm excited for Black Adam. I'm excited what they're doing. I cannot wait for Black Adam. So now I'm going to get into this whole thing with Castle Rock. As I mentioned before, this is actually season two, episode six and seven of Castle Rock. The first thing is called Play, um, The Laughing Place. And, you know, Annie's always been one of those characters where, like, okay, where does she get that cock-a-duty type of slang? Where did she pick that up at? Because uh, was it something that she heard from when she was little? Or is that just her way of trying not to cuss or anything like that? And get this, it's actually a combination of both in a, in a sense because it's, her mother actually uses that term in the show. That's right. It actually deals with Annie's mother with the laughing place. And it also deals with her father and understanding where Annie actually comes from. And I love the fact that it gives you a little bit of an origin story of where Annie comes from. Because when we first introduced Annie into Misery, all we saw was a crazed fan and her busting the, with a sledgehammer, busting the author's legs uh, open with a sledgehammer and knocking him out of socket. That's all we saw. And getting to know where she came from was a big deal because of the fact that I didn't know. Here's the thing. I never read Misery. I didn't know anything really about her other than what I saw in the movie. But to see a little a background story of her just from a Castle Rock perspective, not from a Castle Rock perspective to a book adaptation because I don't know how she is in the book. But seeing that perspective of Annie makes me understand where she got the cock-a-duty slang from and that was from her mother because she would actually use that word when to not cuss in front of Annie and then also too Annie was a little slow in school as well when it came down to her reading and her speech and stuff like that so her dad would go on ahead and write up these stories 
And in these stories, he would try and help her with her reading. And then all of a sudden, you get, then all of a sudden her dad is like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get you a tutor. And then that's how Rita comes into play. And Rita is actually interacting with Annie a lot. She's actually helping her to read a lot better because it's not just coming from her father's stories anymore. Now she's reading different books and stuff like that. And then and one of those things is called The Laughing Place. And we hear Annie mention this to her daughter Joy over and over again in the series where you have to find your own laughing place. And we haven't found our own laughing place yet. And another thing too is they. she also mentions the fact that they come from a family of settlers and travelers, and they weren't. And her and and Joy are not the type of person that just settled. They just keep moving, and she doesn't realize that her mother is even. Joy doesn't even realize that her mother's even doing half the things that she's doing between taking lithium pills and stuff like that, and they're on the run. And they don't, here's the thing, Joy don't even know why they're even on the run, going from place to place, from hospital to hospital, that her mom is supposedly an RN, and she works at a hospital. She doesn't understand what's going on with her own mother. And then, of course, Rita comes, like I said, Rita's the main thing that happens in the story with the laughing place is because of the fact that later on she winds up becoming pregnant. And of course the father is also too, not feeling the same way about his wife anymore or anything like that. And there's kind of distant from each other. And then of course her mother winds up uh, committing suicide and trying to kill uh, Annie inside the car with her. And then that's how that whole entire, this whole entire thing plays out. And of course, like, you know what? I'm not going to give too, more, too much more details into that whole entire thing because I want you guys to understand what's, there's something that actually happens within that whole entire scene after she winds up dying. And then, and then with the, the, uh, this other episode called Mother is where you're dealing with Rita coming into Castle Rock and she's trying to find out what's going on with Annie and Joy and stuff like that. And I love that aspect, too, because it gives you a little bit of a mystery of, is she going to get Joy back? Is it, What's going to happen with Joy? What's going to happen with Annie? Is this going to be a happy ending for Joy? What's going to happen with the whole entire thing? And is Annie going to go to jail or what? So that's another key element to that story, though, too. But we also have to expect the same thing, that this might not go good for Rita because of the fact that don't forget, we didn't see Joy or Rita in Misery, so therefore that has to. So, therefore that tells me that either, neither one of them might actually make it out of the show alive. So, if you haven't seen Castle Rock season two, I strongly recommend that you guys check it out. Just with me talking about it alone, I'm hoping it gives you some hope to actually try and check out. Castle Rock because I'm enjoying Castle Rock. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. When you look at certain things, as a matter of fact. Speaking of Stephen King stuff, you know, I just got word today that $14 million is what this thing with Dr. Sleep on how much it made, and they were tracking it to make 25 to $30 million, and I feel bad that that film only made $14 million. and it's not the fact that people are tired of Stephen King-based properties, it's the whole fact that it came out at a bad time, it came out on Veterans Day for crying out loud. And they were actually hoping that it would actually compete against Midway, which also is why people would go to the movies on Veterans Day, is to go out and see a movie like 
like Midway, because people who are in the military would go out and see Midway before they would go out and see Dr. Sleep. And that, and not only that, but even people that are not in the military would would want to honor their families who fought in different types of wars and stuff like that to go see Midway. Midway. So I can understand why it didn't do so great, but it's not the fact that the movie wasn't great, because here's the thing. The movie was fantastic. It was loved by critics and audi- uh, movie-going audiences. So you had two things going for itself. The PR on the thing, on the prom- promotion of this movie was really good. Because every single time when you would turn on the TV, it seemed like, to me, that Dr. Sleep was always around. It seemed like that you couldn't go past a certain uh, TV show or movie without mentioning Dr. Sleep coming on and everything, and it's going to be released in the movie theaters. So that tells me something right there. And if, not only that, but if you think about it too, with It Chapter 2, even though it was kind of a letdown, it still made bank at the box office and everything. It made like 400 or uh, 300 and something million dollars worldwide. So it did its job. So that tells me right there, people want to see good Stephen King adaption movies. It's just that with Dr. Sleep, it came out at a bad time. They should have went on ahead and moved it into a mid-October release date, not just because of the fact that it's dealing with uh, a horror movie and it's also in October where we actually have Halloween. To me, it goes much further than that because the only movie that they actually had going for itself at the first a couple of months or a couple of weeks well not months but a couple of weeks was the Joker movie which was also released by WB WB also released Dr. Sleep so I feel like that they could have went on ahead and made this movie in mid-October and made its money back from the studios and also have with a positive word of mouth and it's just sad to see that this movie only made 14 million dollars when the movie is really good if you haven't checked out my Dr. Sleep review I strongly that you guys I strongly recommend that you guys check it out because I thought it was a really well done movie and everything. So check that out. Now I'm going to talk about the Snyder Cut. We have Gal Gadot taking taking on today on Twitter telling WB to release the Snyder Cut. We have Ben Affleck telling people to release the Snyder Cut. We actually had Jason Momoa saying, yes, there's a Snyder Cut a couple of weeks ago. And here's the thing. I would love to see a Snyder's Cut. I've seen pictures of the Snyder Cut. It looks really clean. It looks really good. But, and I understand that also too, that there that it does connect well with what, what they were trying to do with the DCEU during its time. But, how much is actually on that cutting editing editor's room to where it can actually be a full-blown movie without it being spliced to the point where everything just feels choppy just like a suicide squad director's cut type of movie because i'm going to be honest with you the director's cut for suicide squad wasn't the best thing even with the get this even with the director's cut it didn't do anything for me because there were still scenes that were still missing from the director's cut so my thing was why are they even calling this a calling that a director's cut when you still have scenes that were still missing and it's still choppy none of the scenes added up to anything other than the fact that we saw more joker saw more harley we got to see a little bit of the origin of how she actually became harley but i wanted to see more i wanted to see jared leto's joker and getting an understanding more of what kind of Joker that we were actually going to have. And I know there's mixed reactions when it comes down to Jared Leto's Joker, but I feel like that they could have done a lot more with his Joker to where it could actually stand out on its own. And I feel like, too, that most people don't like 
the Jared Leto Joker is because of just the way he looks, opposed to how he was acting. I think if people just erased the whole tattoos and the grills and everything, I think that people would actually like the Jared Leto Joker. But that's just me and how I'm looking at it. I love every reincarnation of what they give us for the Joker and stuff like that. I might make might like something a little bit more than the other. But I still appreciate what they try to try to do with certain Jokers. But that's besides the point here. I'm just kind of weary of the fact that, okay, we have a Snyder's Cut. Let's say, for instance, just like a Donner Cut from the old Superman thing. But what if the Snyder Cut is not that great of a director's cut? What if this thing is just choppy and they're just putting in scenes just to be putting in scenes and nothing is actually adding up to hell to high, high water? Everything is just choppy. Everything is just a, just as a mess as the original. So that's my only thing that I'm kind of wary about when they're saying release the Snyder Cut. It's because of the fact that I don't know what we're dealing with or how much film that they actually got a chance to actually film and how much is actually going to be left on that editing floor by the time that they actually do put a Snyder Cut out. But that's just me. That's how I'm looking at it. But if, if they told me today that there's actually a Snyder Cut and they're releasing it on Blu-ray, you can guarantee you I'm going to pick it up on, on Blu-ray and everything when it's released and I'm going to go to Best Buy and buy it. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. But for right now, I'm hesitant at the fact that, you know, of what I'm going to be looking at. Because there's that mystery aspect of it to where you don't know what you're going to be viewing or what you're going to be seeing. But once you see it, then you can actually view it for yourself. And then maybe I might actually be okay. But I'm just going to be honest with you. I prefer the, with Batman versus Superman, I prefer the director's cut over the original cut any day. Because I feel like that cut was actually superb. I felt like that cut was really well done. Opposed to the original cut. <coughs> but anyways. That's going to do it for me for today. But I'm going to try and have another um, episode tomorrow. Where I'm actually going to be riding in my car. A matter of fact. I'm not going to be calling that segment. Carpooling with John DiGiorio anymore. I'm going to be calling that. car uh, Riding in the car with John. Or riding with John. And it's just going to be more of a little bit more of a relaxed show. It's going to be me talking about different movies on and stuff like that. And I'm, I hope that you guys actually enjoy the first two episodes I actually posted from that, even though it was me bitching about my page on the first segment. But with the second one, I'm ta- I was talking about The Godfather and stuff like that. So I hope that you guys actually enjoy that part of the show. And of course, if you like what you see and everything, go on ahead, share this with everybody else. And also to follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm going to have all that information in the descriptions below. And not only that, but if you guys can leave me a voicemail message, tell me what you guys think of the show, send me some questions in and I'll be able to answer them on the next show. And until next time, bye-bye.